Times Like Now is an interview podcast, and you can find past episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Posies are an influential rock and roll band hailing from the Pacific Northwest. They were signed to a label even before the grunge era exploded in Seattle. Though they've split up, reunited, traded out band members, split up again, their founder, Ken Stringfellow, has been consistently making music. He performed with R.E.M., and has had a successful solo career. He is my guest today on Times Like Now. Hello there, Ken. How are you? And, and thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you very much. I'm doing absolutely A-OK. Are you in the area now? Are you in Bellingham? Are you in Seattle? I am uh, in Bothell, uh, where I have a studio. I'm a partner for, in a studio, and I... Uh, come to town and work here at the studio from time to time. Um, you know, since I live abroad, basically I got to line up a bunch of work and make it worth it coming over all the way to the States for. So it's a beautiful place and I've got all my old guitars and old amps and all kinds of gear here. And I'm you know, usually here producing bands or whatever. I wanted to mention or talk about um, a little bit about the new album because I've been reading about it. I've seen a new video, Sideways. Oh, right. Is that right? Yeah, true. The Posies album. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, actually, um, <clears throat> and Sideways, originally when we released it, we were thinking we, we released it last year during the whole lockdown and made the video during lockdown. Um, quite interestingly enough, each of us filming ourselves near where we variously live. The, the three current band members of the Posies live in three different countries on two different continents. Um, but uh, that's no big deal these days uh, for sending things around. So we made a video and we were originally going to leave the song off the album and just have it be a standalone single. Um, since then, since those heady days of September, uh, we decided to actually put it on the album and drop another song that we weren't quite as strong, feeling quite as strongly about. Uh, but yeah, so we, we recorded our, our upcoming album uh, in really mostly in 2019 um, here at the studio where my studio um, and, you know, did it not by sending files back and forth. We did it the old fashioned way by getting together and playing music um, and got most of it done in, in 2019. And then uh, in, two, in 2020, before the lockdowns happened, we actually assembled in LA where um, our drummer, Frankie Siragusa has, has a studio of his own. And we did all the recording and then the lockdowns happened shortly thereafter. And that, that kind of slowed our pace for a while. Uh, just everybody trying to figure out their lives and all the other complications that came with what was happening. Um, but we worked steadily. The only thing left to do at that point was mixing. And we've been working uh, on a few with a few different people for mixing, including uh, of local interest, uh, both to Bellingham and Bothell. Uh, Chris Walla from uh, Death Cab for Cutie uh, mixed about half the record. So we finally cool. got it done. And, I, we, uh, I still, forgot to mention, we finally got it done. Sorry to cut you off, but that's so an important it, so factoid. It's finished. It's in the can. Um, it's in the can. We're just, uh, you know, when we're together uh, next month, the idea is, well, I don't know, is this going to air in Ju June or July? Um, this will be, the, yeah, this will be on in June. In June. Okay, so next month when we're all together, uh, we're going to use some of the time to, uh, you know, do the photos and videos and stuff that we can do while we're together and take advantage of that, um, and get that all ready. And then, you know, in the meantime, I'm going to start 
you know, talking to labels and seeing how we're going to release this thing. So the current lineup of the Posies mm-hmm. is you, John Auer, mm-hmm. and the drummer name again? Frankie, Frankie Siragusa. And he goes back two days ago. He goes, he was, he was in with the band in the past, correct? Well, he was, yeah, he like, so what happened to us? It's kind of, um, you know, as I mentioned before, the band is kind of like Steely Dan and that, you know, you have two principals, uh, John and myself who, who started the band and we, we actually recorded our first album totally just as a duo and played all the instruments. And then we started having people play with us and playing live, you know, 33 years ago. Um, and so, you know, a, a few drummers and bass players have come and gone in that time. Again, Steely Dan is a very good model for this. Um, you know, surround yourself with great musicians and, uh, then you have the, the, the two songwriting guys, like kind of at the core of it. Um, so Frankie, uh, came in on, and he played on our last album, which now has been five years since we released it, um, and did those tours. Uh, the, the, the new album, does it have a title yet? that you might share with us? I am not going to reveal that quite yet. Okay. But the new song, but the new song is called sideways and I'm going to play just a a minute of it here now. Okay. Back now with Ken Stringfellow. So you've got some shows coming up in Seattle and mm-hmm. in Bellingham, both sold out, yeah. I believe. The last I heard. Well, uh, as as we're talking, it may be true by the time this airs, but as we're talking, uh, the the main show in Bellingham, the re- the grand reopening of the Wild Buffalo that we're playing with. Uh, the Black Tones, fab- fabulous band uh, from Seattle, is sold out, um, and uh, was sold out rather quickly. And then the night before, that's July 17th, so no hope there. But July 16th, uh, we're doing a basically a dress rehearsal. Uh, just us, the Black Tones won't won't be there that night, but uh, we're just we are going to rehearse in in the Wild Buffalo that day, and we have ten lucky people or generous people or whatever you want to call them who uh, you can buy a ticket and come hang out with us, watch us rehearse with only 10 other, you know, nine other people um, have dinner with us and you get a poster and that ticket also gets you in to the show the next day. So it is technically the last ticket and there's only one left. Uh, So hopefully people, uh, if they're interested in that, if they wanted to, they could go check that out on the wild Buffalo. It might be gone by the time we speak. Then on the 18th, um, we're playing uh, Zoo Tunes, that is the KEXP uh, curated series of outdoor concerts at Woodland Park Zoo in Seattle. Um, 
And uh, as we speak, there's about a hundred or so tickets left for that. They may be gone uh, by the time uh, this airs, but maybe not. Um, that's there's that's there's still you know a hundred is still quite a few people, uh, and that's with uh, another great Seattle band called Tres Leches. Um, so yeah, that's our little opening salvo and return to the stage. We haven't played live since 2019. Um, the only other thing I can say is, um, the only other thing I can say is by the time that we, that this airs, uh, it seems that I will have likely announced, um, uh, an online show for people who can't make either any of these or people who are, you know, from further away. If anyone's hearing this from Canada, it's pretty complicated to go back and forth, blah, blah, blah. Um, we're, you know, have a look because on the 24th of July, it's quite likely that there will be a, an online show. All of the information for any of our shows, uh, can easily be found for anyone who's interested. They could go, uh, to, uh, the posies just written like that. The posies one word, uh, Instagram account and our, uh, the link in our bio will have tickets to all of these events. Now, what would you just based on the the new song what would you say about the new pick or the new posies or is there a new posies what what have you been doing differently are you still yeah. um you know you and john in the pocket is that you know or what what has been going on on this latest recording well i would say that uh if if people were familiar with our recent work, um, they would know that the last album, um, Solid States, which came out in 2016, um, it, because it was made uh, without us hardly ever being in the same room, of course, ended up having a little more uh, electronic uh, programmed kind of feel. I mean, there's real drums on it, but the way that we edited stuff makes it kind of sound a little more technological in a sense. And there's a lot of drum machine stuff riding along and all this kind of stuff. And this album, since we were all in the same room, we didn't really do that at all. I, I would say that Sideways, the single that we released last year, is um, even more um, kind of hearkening back to our roots in a sense. Um, there are still some interesting twists and turns along the way. I would say um, this is kind of like the the inverse of the, you know, the, the blind men, uh, trying to figure out what they're, what animal they're encountering when they're encountering an elephant. And it has all these different aspects. This is kind of like the, this actually is several different animals. <laughs> like, um, and so it's going to be, uh, it would be misleading uh, any track that you heard and to think it's totally representative of the album, uh, would be, um, that would be misleading, shall we say? There's a lot of there's a, it's quite it's co quite broad. In a I sense. get it. I'm I can't wait to hear it. My first exposure to, to the posies. It. I'm from Portland, Oregon, originally. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, from the Northwest, mm -hmm. but not here in your in in your yard, as they say, mm -hmm. was probably mm -hmm. I would guess Dream All Day and Flavor of the Month. I think were the, because mm -hmm. the radio stations, the mm -hmm. alternative quote unquote radio stations from 90, 93, 94, yeah. um, KBBT down in Portland was the AM side. They were playing those songs. And I think MTV had, had the video as well. Uh, that was my first exposure. Yeah. And you guys go back prior to the Seattle sound, quote unquote, the big rush where everybody in the country was moving True. to Seattle with mm -hmm. a guitar to try and get signed. And you guys got signed prior to that with your own unique uh, created debt. What, what high school, what high school did you go to? Uh, John and I went to see home. 
class of 86 and 87 respectively. And that's where, that's where your sound began. And you were discovered very quickly by Geffen. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just super weird. I mean, I moved to the Northwest in the seventies. My parents divorced and my mom was uh, wanting to get out of the Midwest where we were living and where are we going to go? Well, her brother had moved to Ferndale because he's was an engineer and he was working at uh, Intalco out there. So uh, she thought that'd be good to be near some family. Um, and the only other idea was to move to the Bay Area where her father was, but he was very old and the Bay Area just didn't seem a little too skeevy for her. Um, so we moved to Bellingham, a place that, you know, if you weren't from here, you might not really have heard of and not living in California or Chicago. I'd never heard of it. Um, but I was also nine years old, so give me a break. Um, but anyway, so we moved to the, this, um, this town and, and, um, that, you know, and grew up here and, and went to middle school and high school and met John. And when, uh, I was just starting high school and he was just finishing middle school and played in bands. And then, you know, the natural progression, if you're going to go, um, if you're going to go on from Bellingham and live somewhere else, you'd probably go to Seattle. It's the nearest bigger city. And so I went, you know, and I um, enrolled at the University of Washington, already having known John and staying in touch. And then we formed the band from there. Nobody, this is 1986 when I graduated, as I, I, I didn't do it respectively, I did it backwards. So I graduated in 86. Uh, so I started college in the fall of 86 at, at uh, UW. If you had told me that um, four or five years later that that would be the music epicenter of the universe, I would have laughed you off the out the door. I mean, like, what to mention all the other insane transformations that went that Seattle's gone through, um, you know, with Microsoft and Amazon, etc. I mean, it's just who saw. I mean, some visionaries saw that coming. Not me, as a you know, 17 year old enrolling in college. I did not know that the Seattle music scene would become the Seattle music scene. It was, you know, it was, it was just a small, it's just norm, like anywhere else in a way. Um, but a lot of cool things came together um, and a lot of great artists happened to be here. And it's, it's just a, you know, the, the Northwest is different and especially was different, it, it, you know, than, it is. Than, than anything else at that time. And the way people think out here and just a little more, um, I don't know, it's kind of open-mindedness, um, you know, it, it, here that, that um, you might not have encountered in the Midwest where I'd lived before or the East Coast where I'd lived before. Um, just I'd like to play just a, a minute. I think I'm going to go with Flavor of the Month. Just a minute of that for, yeah, uh, sure. for new listeners. This is yeah. the Posies Flavor of the Month. Flavor of the month. That was kind of a, a, a comment on you know, a comment from you about the rush to come to Seattle and and you know make it in the rock and roll business. Maybe, you had been signed. Maybe not and, that directly about just Seattle. I, I think it's about um, 
the music industry in general? In, in a way, yeah, just, you know, tre- tre- uh, the way people jump on trends and things like that and how much importance can be given to something uh, without really analyzing its qualities. I mean, this also happens, you know, t- with tulip bulbs and <laughs> and uh, bitcoins and whatnot. I mean, but, uh, you know, it's more like that. I, I mean, I didn't write those lyrics. It's, uh, it's not the kind of thing that I would really normally comment on. I mean, John wrote those lyrics, but I think he was... Um, I don't know. It, like, I think some of his, the experiences that, that, that we had where we just had different ways of reacting to it. And I think his, um, going into the entertainment business and that kind of machinery that existed in the music business at that time. Um, I don't think he, he found it as, uh, pleasant as he, or, you know, the, as uh, the, the kind of his dreams were a little shattered by discovering how it actually worked. Uh, perhaps he's an idealist in that sense. And, and it's not that I'm not an idealist, but um, I didn't find the thing so heartbreaking. I just looked at it in pragmatic terms of like, how can we game this thing in our favor? Two different ways of, of responding to it. Understand. Yeah, that that's clear. And that's a great um, balance between the two of you, I think. A uh, pragmatist and an ideal that, that works. Or it seems to have worked for you. Yeah, we've been making music together for 35 years. <clears throat> That's crazy. That's a good run. That's a, a great run, actually. I'm really looking forward to the new album. I, I, I can't wait. I read this I did not know, uh, doing some research for our talk today. Ringo Starr covered one of your songs. Yeah. Did you ever get to perform with him? Yeah, absolutely. With that song or any other? Uh, not that song. Um, so um, because of that situation, um, which was a, a quite a surprise, um, we didn't really i mean you know they they we didn't hear about it until it was all done and everything it's so like it was really a wild thing um but we went down for the record release party in la and and you know we met ringo for the first time and some of the people that he was going to be on tour this is also the kind of the kickoff for that um which is really cool there's a lot of great people on that in his band at that time you know he does the the all-star band with different people uh, and then, you know, he invited us to open for him, uh, when he played at the Gorge, uh, that year. And that was cool. So, um, it was a really nice drummer's summit. I, uh, we had, uh, Jody Stevens from the band Big Star hanging out with us and then Mike, our drummer and Ringo, I got a, you know, a, somewhere there's a picture of all three of them talking, which is really cool. Like three, you know, great drummer from the sixties, maybe, you know, in the, the greatest band of the sixties, perhaps, and then a, a great drummer from the seventies and then Mike, uh, modern drummer. That was really cool. Um, and then something unusual, um, actually really quite cool. Uh, uh, a friend of mine ended up being his personal assistant. And so a couple of years later, he came back to play summer nights at the pier and she said like, uh, Hey, I was talking to Ringo. He really wants you to come to the show. Um, and I said, well, if he's there, you might as well have him sing. And he's like, that's a great idea. Um, so <laughs> I went down there and I ended up, um, singing with him, uh, which was really incredible. So, uh, the band was great too. Was, his, his son was playing drums. Uh, and then John Otwistle was the bass player and Randy Bachman was playing guitar. Uh, Billy Preston was playing keys. I mean, it was like bonkers. Wow. Bonkers. That's so, all star. Um, so I sang, you know, harmonies on, uh, with a little help from my friends and I got to do all these high harmonies, uh, could it be anybody? There's a higher one than that, you know, but on that stuff, um, and, and, you know, I'd grown up with that record because my mom had that album, you know, and, and that's part of my introduction to 
good music was Sgt. Pepper's. So um, it was like, that was a real full circle moment. Um, and then, of course, partying with John Entwistle afterwards at the Westin was quite a trip as well. I was looking uh, at some of the, I don't know, reviews and some of the write-ups and whatnot, and, and Pandora calls you, Ken, a distinctive male lead vocal. I thought that was a, a very interesting description. Uh, right. Distinctive male lead vocal. Yes, I, I think that I think sure. you qualify quite well in that. I mean, now, back in, in 1998, mm-hmm. you, did, uh, you did some recording with R.E.M., and some touring with R.E.M. How did that come about and how long were you with, uh, with them? So first, first the touring and then uh, that led to the recording, but basically, um, it's kind of a, a long story. I'll try and condense it into a pretty short story. (laughs) It's a potentially long story, but actually I can tell it pretty quick. Uh, so one about one thing about the posies, um, and in our, when we got our start, um, without a doubt, um, one of our, um, heroes locally in the local music scene was Scott McCoy uh, from the Young Fresh Fellows. We loved the band, um, and he, uh, he was many things. He was a journalist. Um, he was working at uh, Cellophane Square, a cool record store in Seattle that used to also be here in Bellingham. Uh, and he, you know, helped run the Pop Llama label that released the albums of the Young Fresh Fellows. And then he was in the Young Fresh Fellows. So he was a, um, you know a really great guy and uh, very admirable for all the things he's doing. And we love seeing the band and we thought one day it'd be great to be on Pop Llama and blah, blah, blah. Well, of course, when we made our first album failure, uh, the first, one of the first people we gave it to was Scott. And we went down probably and cornered him at cellophane and gave him a copy and blah, blah, blah. And so Scott gave us our first review in the rocket, the monthly music mag that used to come out in Seattle. Um, And he gave us our first gig, um, you know, uh, even before we'd found band members, we were like, okay, yeah, sure, great. And uh, eventually Pop Llama, the label that you know he was part of, put out our first album uh, as, as a record. I mean, we'd released it as a cassette ourselves, and then they made LPs. Um, so, you know, like he really helped. Without Scott, we would not be talking today, that's for sure. Well, Scott uh, is friends with a lot of people, and he's everyone's friend. Um, so he'd also interviewed REM when they, uh, came to town back in the eighties, um, for the rocket. And he stayed in touch with Peter and on tour, the young first fellows stayed at Peter's house, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, Seattle became Seattle, became the most important music city in the world. So naturally, uh, and Nirvana had name checked REM quite a bit, for example. So REM kind of returned the favor. So, you know, having just become the biggest band in the universe with uh, Out of Time and Losing My Religion and all that, for their next record, Automatic for the People, they did a bunch of it in Seattle. Uh, Well, who's Peter Buck going to call when he's in town? Scott McCoy, of course. They're like, you know, already best, should be best friends. Uh, so, uh, they did become good buddy, even better buddies. And then Scott introduced Peter to his wife, uh, Stephanie, who was the owner of the Crocodile Cafe. So, uh, basically you can see how this is all knitting together. Uh, soon Peter never left, Peter never left town after the record was done. He stayed, he married Stephanie. He was always at the Crocodile. I was always at the Crocodile because... Scott was booking the crocodile, of course. Um, so, um, and Scott eventually ended up, um, you know, being asked to participate in the in the next REM tour that they did in '95. And 
um, we were already playing music together uh, with Peter um, in this in project of Scott's called the Minus Five. Um, and I, the posies were still active. So I didn't know this at the time, but they wanted me to join. And they had a policy that they would not poach someone from an active band. The Young Fresh Fellows were not active at that time. So Scott was was free, but they didn't want to ruin a band by stealing a me- member and you know giving them this choice. Like, hey, do you want to stay in your band or join the hugest band ever? Of course, that's a terrible choice to, to give because you're going to ruin the other band. So they didn't want to do that. So the Posies broke up uh, three years later, uh, and I was, you know, basically ready to do things. And then Peter just basically, um, well, they'd been, they'd lost their drummer and uh, they'd been doing some recording with different people then recorded with uh, Joey Warrenker, who ended up playing drums uh, in the group, uh, Joey from Beck's band. And then uh, Barrett Martin from the Screaming Trees had also done some recording for the album they were doing in 98. And they said, well, I think we're going to go with Joey for drums, but, you know, you could maybe stay on. We need someone to, like, play keyboards and guitar and stuff. And Barrett's like, I don't, like, I don't play keyboards. Like, call Ken Stringfellow. He's really good. So, uh, and, uh, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, we were thinking about him for the last time. I guess we should just call him. And that's, and then so Peter just basically was like, uh, hey, do you want to audition for uh, this thing we're doing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, we're doing the thing. And you should just audition. And I'm like, oh, you mean like R.E.M.? Like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, we're going to have an audition. And I'm like, okay. And then like two days later, I'm at the Crocodile and he's like, okay, anyway, uh, forget about the audition. Uh, just um, learn these songs and uh, show up in uh, San Francisco in, in like three weeks. I'm like, okay, learn them on what? He's like, uh, I don't know, like maybe guitar or bass or maybe keyboards. And like, okay, so I like learned 50 songs, <laughs> guitar, bass, and keyboards. And then we ended up doing like 10 of those and like 50 other songs. But anyway, that's it. It just started, it was going to be just a promo tour because they often didn't tour for records. They kind of became kind of famous for holding it back. Um, so we were just going to do some promo dates around the release of their album Up. Um, but those went so well um, that we ended up doing a proper tour in 99. And then I ended up playing on the next two records and doing many more tours. So I was doing stuff with them for uh, over the course of the next 10 years until 2008 was the last time I played with them. That was a, a concise was a, telling of that story. I appreciate that. It's a big uh, story. I yeah, no, it's I huge. Yeah. It's huge. Um, I I got to uh, come up to the crocodile again, being from Portland. It wasn't an everyday mm-hmm. occurrence, but I was coming yeah. up uh, in those mid nineties and did see some shows there. Uh, I never did get to see the posies though at that time, but. Uh, so we were the first band to ever play there. That's right. The I, opening night of the crocodile. We, we, we actually, we were too big to play a club that size in those days. So we opened under a fake name uh, for Love Battery. And yeah, and it was Love Battery as well, which I was a fan of at the time because yeah. of Mother Love Bone and et cetera, et cetera, and, and mm-hmm. those bands. Exactly. Um, running out of time just a little bit, but uh, just to reiterate, you got a new album coming out, but you won't tell us the title. That's okay. Uh, Not yet. New new uh, new song is called Sideways, which is rather appropriate for the last year and a half that we've been going yes. through, and maybe the title is something similar. But um, and you've got shows coming up July seventeen and July eighteen. Uh, sneak preview show, and 16. yes, a sneak preview yeah. show, and the sixteenth. Uh, that's at the Wild Buffalo in and Bellingham. probably a. Uh, Yep, and probably an online show by the time we speak. People should go to the Instagram if they would like to learn more about it. They could go to the Instagram and they could uh, check out our, the link there. If And we'll probably have an online show uh, July 24th as well. And then you're in Seattle uh, at the Woodland Park Zoo, July 18th. Yep. 
Exactly. We got it. Excellent. This has been a great time. I really appreciate speaking with you, Ken. Great to meet you. Yeah. Uh, Bellingham and the radio stations here love the band and uh, look forward to maybe I can make it into that show. Maybe I'll hang around the back door and maybe somebody will let me in. You know, things always change hands, too. There'll be someone getting rid of their ticket at some point. Ken Stringfellow, thank you once again. And uh, yeah, rock on. Thank you so much. Likewise. You can find past episodes of Times Like Now wherever you get your podcasts. Please like and subscribe. Thank you to the letter J, Cody Robertson, for original theme music. My name is Trevor Collins. I can be reached, Trevor, at timeslikenow.com. And I look forward to speaking with you next time.